Hello and welcome to the show that might not plan, but by thunder we can react. It's all starting to get real now. We've got promotions, we've got relegations, we've got faltering hopes and unexpected promise. The Football League is grunting its way to a messy climax and we're there for every sweaty stroke. Looking appalled in the studio today, we've got Matt Stanger, fresh from a promotion party in Accrington. And coming off the bench late in the game with barely a chance to warm up, we've got Sam Parkin too. We've got all the usual stuff, the fan league, the Joe Crilly, your questions, roundups galore. It could only be the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Good morning, Matt Stanger. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You were in Accrington for the party, weren't you? I was. I went to their 2-0 win over Yeovil last Tuesday and uh, that obviously secured their promotion to League One and amazing scenes, my first ever pitch invasion. You got on the pitch? I was giddy with excitement at getting on the pitch <laughs> at the end of the game. They had to hold me back. and uh, But I got on the pitch and uh, I felt a bit like a promotion crasher, to be honest. But as I said afterwards, I think when you start crashing relegations, that's when you know you have a problem. Yeah, well, I, I used to do that for ESPN. I used to be like the angel of death going from crisis club to crisis club. Um, you're, you're probably doing it the better way, I would have thought. Is it just practice for Blackburn? Because you win tonight, you go up. Well, that's it, but I'm not going to be there tonight, sadly. I'll, I'll be at Charlton, so I was hoping... I, I actually sort of hope that we don't do it tonight, just so I can be there when we do do it. But, I mean, that's a bit mean-spirited on the, all the fans that are travelling, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe Crilly from William Hill, hello. Hello there. Um, Matt's having a whale of a time at the end of the season, as Blackburn march inexorably towards redemption. Uh, how's the end of the season going for you, Joe, as a Bolton fan? It's very squeaky at the moment, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, last week, I, I rather flippantly binned off Burton Albion's hopes of survival. They got a great win against Sunderland, relegating them. Um, we were humiliated at home by Wolves, who were absolutely fantastic. I thought maybe they would take their foot off the pedal, um, but obviously they were still chasing the championship. We were humiliated at home. Birmingham got a win. Barnsley didn't, so it's looking like a uh, a three-horse race now, and we've obviously got Burton next week. Yeah, that, that's looking like quite a big one. Are, are you, as a bookie, now like constantly staring at fluctuating prices that, that will move up and down in accordance with your own moods? Uh, yes, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually using that because I mean, since the international break, Bolton have been woeful on the pitch. Uh, so I'm actually looking at the prices which still have us odds against to be relegated and trying to draw a little bit of uh, hope from that. But uh, if if we continue to play uh, for the last two games of the season, as we have done for the last four or five games of the season, then there is no question about it, but we will be going down. Um, Barnsley have got a game in hand that they're playing tonight, so I'll be keeping my eyes on that. Uh, But Burton's run of form is very, very worrying indeed. Sam Parkin joins us. Amazing reactions, great turn of pace. Off the bench to make no impact whatsoever. (laughs) It's fantastic to have you here. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ian. All right. Um, Performance of the week. You've already talked about it. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Joe, you went for them. Um, But only 13% of our audience backed you. Um, Matt, who did you go for? I went for Birmingham's victory over Sheffield United. They had to come from behind from a Blues player, Mark Duffy, opening the scoring there. He actually got booked for wild celebrations in front of the crowd. Uh, I don't think Chris Wilder was too happy about that. But anyway, Birmingham fought back. It was a great performance by them, and uh, they now look very close to survival. Yeah, I told you they'd be all right. They, they were they were looking good right from the off. Um, I tell you what, we didn't we didn't think that Grimsby would be all right. They're my vote. Um, having 
literally openly laughed at them on their show just a couple of weeks ago. Um, their victory was... Well, I mean, they're, they're almost there now. It's an incredible turnaround for, for Michael Jolly's team. Um, but only 19% for Grimsby, only 17% for Birmingham. Uh, producer Tayo, who did you go for? I got on the Fulham train, uh, Fulham away in their second half performance against Millwall. And 51% of the audience agreed with you, which I think is a bit... It's a bit harsh because it's really only half a performance of the week, given how good Millwall are, uh, were in the first half. And I feel very sorry for Burton. There's no logic to this, Ian. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't feel sorry for Burton because they won last week. And so it was a great win, obviously, at Sunderland. But it, they beat Sunderland. Come on. But there is no logic to it because I chose Birmingham with half a mind thinking they've got a sizable fan base. And for whatever reason, they're down there with 17% and I am disappointed. <laughs> We'll review this in the summer, uh, looking ahead to next season's show. Um, but that's all that we'll, we'll talk about uh, performance of the week for now, because it's a championship roundup. It is over. Sunderland are gone. For the fourth game in a row, the Black Cats led and then capitulated. They are relegated. They deserve to be relegated. They are, pound for pound, probably the worst football team I have ever seen. Ever. Still, good news for Burton. They've still got a chance of getting out. Barnsley would have been out of it had they beaten Leeds, led by their old gaffer Paul Heckingbottom. But they did not beat Leeds. They lost 2-1 and they are still in the drop zone. Could they be... Hello and welcome to the show that might not plan, but by thunder we can react. It's all starting to get real now. We've got promotions, we've got relegations, we've got faltering hopes and unexpected promise. The Football League is grunting its way to a messy climax and we're there for every sweaty stroke. Looking appalled in the studio today, we've got Matt Stanger, fresh from a promotion party in Accrington. And coming off the bench late in the game with barely a chance to warm up, we've got Sam Parkin too. We've got all the usual stuff, the fan league, the Joe Crilly, your questions, roundups galore. It could only be the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Good morning, Matt Stanger. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You were in Accrington for the party, weren't you? I was. I went to their 2-0 win over Yeovil last Tuesday and uh, that obviously secured their promotion to League One and amazing scenes, my first ever pitch invasion. You got on the pitch? I was giddy with excitement at getting on the pitch <laughs> at the end of the game. They had to hold me back. and uh, But I got on the pitch and uh, I felt a bit like a promotion crasher, to be honest. But as I said afterwards, I think when you start crashing relegations, that's when you know you have a problem. Yeah, well, I, I used to do that for ESPN. I used to be like the angel of death going from crisis club to crisis club. Um, you're, you're probably doing it the better way, I would have thought. Is it just practice for Blackburn? Because you win tonight, you go up. Well, that's it, but I'm not going to be there tonight, sadly. I'll, I'll be at Charlton, so I was hoping... I, I actually sort of hope that we don't do it tonight, just so I can be there when we do do it. But, I mean, that's a bit mean-spirited on the, all the fans that are travelling, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe Crilly from William Hill, hello. Hello there. Um, Matt's having a whale of a time at the end of the season, as Blackburn march inexorably towards redemption. Uh, how's the end of the season going for you, Joe, as a Bolton fan? It's very squeaky at the moment, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, last week, I, I rather flippantly binned off Burton Albion's hopes of survival. They got a great win against Sunderland, relegating them. Um, we were humiliated at home by Wolves, who were absolutely fantastic. I thought maybe they would take their foot off the pedal um, but obviously they were still chasing the championship. We were humiliated at home. Birmingham got a win. 
Barnsley didn't. So it's looking like a, a three-horse race now, and we've obviously got Burton next week. Yeah, that, that's looking like quite a big one. Are, are you, as a bookie, now like constantly staring at fluctuating prices that, that will move up and down in accordance with your own moods? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually using that because I mean, since the international break, Bolton have been woeful on the pitch. Uh, so I'm actually looking at the prices which still have us odds against to be relegated and trying to draw a little bit of uh, hope from that. But if if we continue to play uh, for the last two games of the season, as we have done for the last four or five games of the season, then there is no question about it, but we will be going down. Um, Barnsley have got a game in hand that they're playing tonight, so I'll be keeping my eyes on that. Uh, but Burton's run of form is very, very worrying indeed. Sam Parkin joins us. Amazing reactions, great turn of pace. Off the bench to make no impact whatsoever. <laughs> it's fantastic to have you here. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ian. All right. Um, performance of the week. You've already talked about it. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Joe. You went for them. Um, but only 13% of our audience backed you. Um, Matt, who did you go for? I went for Birmingham's victory over Sheffield United. They had to come from behind from a Blues player, Mark Duffy, opening the scoring there. He actually got booked for wild celebrations in front of the crowd. <laughs> uh, I don't think Chris Wilder was too happy about that. But anyway, Birmingham fought back. It was a great performance by them, and uh, they now look very close to survival. Yeah, I told you they'd be all right. They, they were they were looking good right from the off. Um, I tell you what, we didn't we didn't think that Grimsby would be all right. They're my vote. Um, having literally openly laughed at them on their show just a couple of weeks ago um their victory was well i mean they're, they're almost there now it's an incredible turnaround for for michael jolly's team um but only 19 percent for grimsby only 17 percent for birmingham uh producer tayo who did you go for i got on the fulham trainer fulham away in their second half performance against millwall and 51 percent of the audience agreed with you which i think is a bit it's a bit harsh because really only half a performance of the week, given how good Millwall are, uh, were in the first half. And I feel very sorry for Burton. There's no logic to this, Ian. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't feel sorry for Burton because they won last week. And so it was a great win, obviously, at Sunderland. But it, they beat Sunderland. Come on. But there is no logic to it because I chose Birmingham with half a mind thinking they've got a sizable fan base. And for whatever reason, they're down there with 17%. And I am disappointed. <laughs> We'll review this in the summer, uh, looking ahead to next season's show. Um, but that's all that we'll, we'll talk about uh, performance of the week for now, because it's a championship roundup. It is over. Sunderland are gone. For the fourth game in a row, the Black Cats led and then capitulated. They are relegated. They deserve to be relegated. They are, pound for pound, probably the worst football team I have ever seen. Ever. Still, good news for Burton. They've still got a chance of getting out. Barnsley would have been out of it had they beaten Leeds, led by their old gaffer Paul Heckingbottom. But they did not beat Leeds. They lost 2-1 and they are still in the drop zone. Could they be joined by Reading? Paul Clement's strugglers went down 3-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. That's five wins and seven for the Owls now. Birmingham had to do it the hard way against Sheffield United after going behind inside the first ten minutes. But he fought back to win 2-1 and move five points clear of the bottom three. If Bolton thought Wolves might be suffering from a promotion party hangover, they were sorely mistaken. The championship leaders wrapped up the title with a 4-0 win at the Macron Stadium to leave Wanderers in a perilous position. And Brentford continued to flirt with the playoffs, beating QPR 2-1 to climb within a point of the top six. Uh, we'll speak about it more in a moment, but Fulham's 3-0 victory over Millwall on Friday night keeps them very much in the race for promotion. 
Millwall aren't out of it yet. They're still in the playoffs, but oof, that'll sting. Aston Villa are hot on Fulham's heels. They obliterated an unhappy Ipswich outfit on Saturday, running out 4-0 winners at Portman Road. And Preston boss Alex Neal was unable to beat his old side Norwich at Deepdale. They drew 0-0, and Preston's playoff hopes are dwindling. We could dedicate a whole show to Bristol City's 5 all draw with Hull in a match that swung hither and thither. Instead, we'll just say that it looks to be the end of the Robins' playoff hopes while Hull have finally secured their championship status. If Fulham want second place, they're going to have to wrestle it from Cardiff's cold, dead hands. The Bluebirds saw off Nottingham Forest 2-1 thanks to Aaron Gunnison's fourth goal in his many matches against the visitors. And Middlesbrough put a severe dent in Derby's playoff bid while strengthening their own grip on a top-six spot with a 2-1 win at Pride Park. Right, Championship, Friday night, absolute corker of a game. A real clash of styles with Millwall and Fulham. Fulham running out 3-0 winners, which if you went out on Friday night and you didn't watch the game, you'd have thought they absolutely bossed it. But Matt, very much Millwall, all Millwall in the first half, wasn't it? It was, definitely. And uh, Neil Harris said that they could have been out of sight by half-time. And you know Millwall, if, if they take the lead, they had five clean sheets in seven matches leading up to Friday night's game. And you would have thought they could hold on, but Jake Cooper hitting the crossbar, couldn't quite find that opening goal, and then Fulham in the second half blitzed them, really. That was a really ferocious performance. Um, so much to talk about. Millwall wildly overachieving, as are Cardiff, and I believe on passing stats, they're something like 23rd and 24th for completed passes. They're both very, very quick, direct teams, um, but they, they really don't offer any quarter at all, do they? No, not at all. They really get in their teams' faces. And that was actually a stat that I thought summed up the uh, the opposing styles of play there was uh, George Chavel in the middle of the park for Millwall, who's had a great season since since coming in last summer. He made only 27 passes, whereas Tom Kearney, centre midfield for Fulham, made 87. So, so that midfield trio for Fulham, McDonald, Kearney and Johansson completely bossed it in the second half. And it, it was hard for Millwall to get back into it from there. Uh, Steve Morrison said uh, a week or so ago, he said, uh, trying to explain why Millwall are doing so well, uh, we run further than the other teams, we want it more than other teams, we found our way of playing and I think teams look at it and go, we're playing Millwall today, we'll beat them as we're better than them and we get paid more than them. And then they turn up and we give them a whack after 10 minutes and they're moaning because you shouldn't be able to do that to them and it's not in the script. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that sort of approach on, on the pitch, it, it can actually be quite intimidating, can't it? It can, yeah, and uh, there's something in what Steve Morrison is saying there, you know, about the wage structure, all the players on an even keel, because, you know, there's some bitter lads out there, and I've been at clubs before where it can be an issue if there's some high earners come into the building, so, you know, that's part of what they've got there uh, at Millwall, and as Matt's just um, articulated, you know, if they'd got that early goal, could have been a completely different game, and I think it was Ryan Fredericks was speaking from the Fulham perspective, if they could just go in at nil-nil after that, an intensive first half performance from Millwall, you know the gaps would start to appear in the second half, and um, the game plan from Jukanovic, you know, worked to a T. Well, the gaps certainly did start to appear. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon scored um, almost immediately into the second half, and it was a goal. We've spoken about this with Sessegnon before, Matt. Um, that he's incredibly well known now because of his individual award success but I don't think people really understand the player that he is I mean, for starters a lot of people still think he's a left back he's been playing uh, sort of left winger inside forward for about six months now but the goal that he scored here was very similar to one he got against Wolves where uh, Mitrovic shoots and even as he shoots even before Jordan Archer's parried the ball Sessegnon is sprinting in on goal and that's where he gets a leap on Mill's right back Romeo he gets way ahead of him this is a player who's the, the, the perception seems to be it's about 
his pace and his, his stamina that makes him good. But it's not. It's his brain, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's that uh, half a yard in his head, isn't it, really? Anticipation of, of chances. And so many of his goals have come from a similar situation to his one on Friday where he's just been alert around the box. And, and he's clearly been told to get in the box as much as possible because he, he's just so good at slipping away from his defender. I remember going to uh, the Aston Villa game early in the season where he had a really difficult game against uh, the right-back, Twanzebe who's on loan from uh, Manchester United and uh, Twanzebe played brilliantly in the first half but second half Sessegnon just drifted away from him found space around the penalty box and, uh, and slid home his finish and he's, he's been like that all, all this second half of the season since Matt Target arrived from Southampton on loan to take over his left back spot Sessegnon's been getting forward and getting the goals Yeah Sam there aren't many teams better on that left flank than Fulham are there? No I mean I think Matt Target has been a huge reason for their success second half of the season obviously alongside Mitrovic but yeah I mean Matt Target could probably play one further forward uh, and likewise we, we know Sessegnon can play a variety of roles and, and that's the thing, he, he knows the game, he plays uh, a role and in a, in a manner well beyond his years and I think that's something that can get overlooked, you think he's all about pace, one-on-one situations, it's not really about that, it's about his brain and that getting across the fullback when the ball's on the opposite side from Fredericks, it's such a source of opportunities for Fulham and he's got a number of goals from in and around the six-yard box. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up because he can actually at times go and play with his back to goal as well. So uh, what a talent and, and again coming up with the goods on Friday. There's actually, uh, I've come on with stats today and, and there's one stat that I really think sums up Sessegnon's impact in his second half of the season. So he's the fifth highest scorer in the league with 15 goals, even though he played half the campaign at left back. But Diogo Hotter, who uh, plays for Wolves and has played in their attack all season, has 17 goals. He's one place higher in the standings. He's taken more than twice as many shots per game on average than Sessegnon, which I think shows what a lethal finisher he is and also the fact that he has been playing half the season in defence. Absolutely. I'll tell you who else is lethal up front as well, and that's Mitrovic. Now, we saw Fulham in January against Ipswich, and uh, Mitrovic wasn't playing. I don't think he'd signed by that point. I think it was very, very early January, wasn't it? And, and we all walked away saying Fulham outstanding footballing side so much pace so much invention but by god they need a striker by god they've got one he's only failed to score in three of his last 12 games and as for all the fears about his temperament he hasn't been booked in six matches he's he's really settled quickly hasn't he well, he did a great job with Newcastle in the Championship as well uh, in their promotion season and I think there were some concerns about his attitude and, and definitely his discipline but he's he's played really well under Jukanovic who uh, obviously a, a fellow Serbian so perhaps has known how to, to get the best out of him and uh, also World Cup chances as well for ahead of the summer so there's there's a lot on offer for Mitrovic if he got it right at Fulham and, and he's proven that and he, he had some excellent touches again against Millwall the, the link up play really for Fulham to be able to fire it off him and little layoffs and everything that keeps that that football building towards the, the box and uh, yeah he's been superb Well Fulham that victory did put them above Cardiff back into second briefly but then Cardiff won again and Cardiff have their game in hand tonight away at Derby and this is a chance for them to go four points clear with two games to go. Um, Sam can you see him doing this? Cardiff don't look like the kind of side to falter now. No they're strong and um, yeah I think that performance against Forest kind of underlined their qualities couple of set pieces dogged victory just when people are thinking that Fulham are going to catch them so it's another biggie tonight there's obviously a lot of spice to it even though Neil Warnock's poured a bit of cold water on it because Derby can't seem to get any kind of form at the moment so everything's all right as far as Neil Warnock's concerned but now it should be a really good game and, and it's going to be interesting to see how Derby do tonight but 
yeah, I still make Cardiff huge favourites, even uh, as well as Fulham are doing. Uh, Matt, this really is the big game tonight, regardless of what's happening anywhere else. Um... <laughs> That's it. clearly not true, is it? <laughs> Just need to look down to League One, see what's happening there. Um, but it's a big game for Derby, uh, Derby as well. We've had some humiliating results recently, but they're still they're still doing all right. You know, if they, they get a win or, or even a point here, they're back in the playoffs. I think the word Guy Rout used the other day was ridiculous, that they're, they're still uh, able to get into the playoffs and it's still in their own hands if they win tonight. And just the way it's gone for Derby over the last few months, though, the confidence is so low at the moment. I mean, we watched their game against Burton last week and they, they were abysmal, weren't they? And, uh, Absolutely. Losing home to Middlesbrough, it just, just definitely doesn't bode well. It seems like a game in hand that isn't going to offer them a great deal. And, of course, they were absolutely walloped by Sunderland, um, which seems hard to believe now because Sunderland are gone, finally. Um, no tears to be shed here, Matt. Well, definitely tears to be shed for the fans. I mean, long-suffering fans can you know what they have to put up with every week over the last few years has just been dreadful and the ownership situation still needs resolving whether Ellis Short is going to be able to find that buyer actually Chris Coleman was saying the other day he's not had a single conversation with Ellis Short since he arrived at the football club which uh, I think sums up that situation and Coleman is keen to to stay on though and I think you know speaking as a Blackburn fan we look at the job Tony Mowbray's done this season after he was given the the remit to stay on and rebuild the football club and I, I think Coleman could do a similar job there and it's, it's all about tying the likes of George Honeyman to uh, to longer contracts. I know he's been linked with Sheffield Wednesday, but he's been in excellent form lately. Paddy McNair as well, and then young players such as Maja and um, Asoro. So if, if they can keep hold of a few, add a few more football league experience, then potentially come back. Sam, um, you're very familiar with the, the divisions, particularly the, the third and fourth. That Sunderland team is not coming straight back up, is it? They're highly unlikely. Um, yeah, it's been just a series of events, hasn't it, over... A, a number of years, you know, it's not something that's happened overnight. I think you can look at the start of the season. Um, they didn't appoint a manager until late and they were playing catch up in the transfer market somewhat. I think a big blow was losing Graben, obviously, in January. I think he had 12 goals at that stage. He arguably would have kept them in the division single-handedly uh, and not been able to hold on to Leeds as well recently. But I think it just boils down to a squad that's not been good enough and um, they're going to have to organise in the summer and get a squad that is fit for purpose in League One. That doesn't mean throwing a lot of money at it. I don't know if there's a lot of money available, but it means picking some of the best players in League One to go alongside some of these young experienced, uh, some young talented boys uh, that Matt just spoke about and getting a side that can fight for the club because it's been a it's been a, sh- a shambles of a season. There's been some fine writing um, among the Sunderland fans, particularly on the site A Love Supreme, which is well worth a look. There's one that caught my eye by uh, Michael Lowe. He uh, he tracks back to the Darren Bent departure. Darren Bent, who of course popped up to score uh, that crucial goal. When Darren Bent left in January 2011, we were in sixth in the Premier League and had lost just five league games. Uh, at that stage of the season, we'd won six home games. Fast forward to the present day and add 19 to the title. 2011 to present day, they've only won 19 games at home. It's 155 matches. Um, I mean, I cannot fathom how there were any supporters still going after all of that, Matt. Yeah, there mustn't be anything else to do in Sunderland on a Saturday afternoon if people are still going to, to, to matches. But it just shows the fans' incredible depth of love for the football club and Coleman's really tried to bond with them and they've even got behind the team this season whenever they've been sliding down into League One. And you just hope, I mean, all I can say, 
speaking again from experiences, this season's been one of the best in, in many seasons at Rovers after Venkis took control and we obviously slipped down all the way into League One as well. And there, there is light potentially at the end of the tunnel. Promotion campaign in League One could, could completely galvanise the club again and... Uh, and a new owner as well, you know, potentially like Ellis Short is clearly ready to sell the club and it is building from the bottom almost, but hopefully for Sunderland fans, it, it all comes comes out in the end. Oh, God, yeah. I'll tell you, whoever does it is going to be a legend forever in that part of the world. Joe Crilly is a legend in this part of the world. <laughs> um, let's talk odds for the championship, Joe. Um, first of all, promotion. I presume Cardiff are um, you know, practically impossible to win any money on at the moment. Yeah, uh, one to four, um, so very short odds there. Fulham also odds on at four to seven. Um, if you're looking for a little bit of extra value, Villa three to one, Borough seven to two, Derby eight to one, Millwall fourteen to one. But certainly Cardiff and Fulham uh, at odds on are the two uh, in pole position at the moment. Um, very briefly at the bottom, tell us about the relegation battle. God, well. Every single week, uh, the odds fluctuate here. Uh, Burton still massively odds on at 1-6 to six to go down, but they were 1-33 to 33 last week, if you remember. Uh, Barnsley, 2-5. to five. Uh, They were 7-4 to four last week. Bolton, 11-10 to 10, uh, for relegation. And Birmingham now uh, seemingly out of it at 14-1 to one to go down. That's great. When we come back, it's the Fan League. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. All right, it's time for the Fan League. You know it well by now. The App Store, you get slip with games on. 13 of them, in fact. Most are Premier League, some are Football League, and all you have to do is pick home win, away win, or draw. And we will start with Aston Villa, Derby County. Bit difficult to call without watching Derby tonight, of course, but Matt, do your best. I'm going for Aston Villa home win. Sam? I'll go for a point just because of Villa. Not much to play for now. Okay, Uh, I'm still going home win as well. I think Villa will be fine there. Uh, Another second City team in action. Birmingham away at QPR. I think QPR look pretty desperate for beach towns and summer holiday now. Um, So I'm calling this for Birmingham away win. Yeah, I watched Birmingham against Sheffield United. Really impressed with them actually. So Birmingham away win. Probably be 3-0 either way. I'll go uh, (laughs) Birmingham to win. All right, here's the tricky one to call. Wolves against Sheffield Wednesday. Now, obviously, we know all about Wolves and how very, very good they are, but they've sewn up the title now. There is absolutely nothing to play for. Sheffield Wednesday, in the meantime, are in fantastic form. Five wins from seven. Um, It's all kind of clicked. I mean, much, much too late, obviously. Um, But I I could see Sheffield Wednesday winning this. I'm still going for Wolves here. I think uh, Benekofobi still has quite a bit to play for. Obviously, he's on loan and he wants to make that a permanent move in the summer from Bournemouth. So, yeah, I'll go for Wolves win with a couple of Benekofobi goals. Yeah, good point. There'll be some players that I'll be wanting to be part of Nuno's plans next season. So, yeah, I'll go for a home win. Oh, it's only me who believes. Um, Barnsley-Brentford, another interesting one, this one, because conventional wisdom would be Barnsley fighting for their lives and Brentford maybe not in with a chance but Brentford are in with a chance Uh, they lost two games back to back in March but since then they've picked up 13 out of 15 points and I reckon I'll make it 16 out of 18 here I think Brentford are going to win this one definitely Barnsley look doomed to me 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens tonight. Barnsley's uh, game in hand. Um, if they win tonight, give themselves a chance. Brentford have to win. Oh, I'll go for an away win. And the game on Saturday evening, Middlesbrough, Millwall, proper clash for a playoff place there. I think never back against Tony Pulis in these situations. Matt? I'm going to go for a draw. I think Millwall, really resilient side, and I think they'll come back after defeat to Fulham and they'll feel almost as if they have a point to prove. Head says Middlesbrough, Hart says Millwall, score draw. I'd love to see Millwall get in the playoffs. That would be brilliant. Um, That is the Fan League. Find it, just type Fan League into the App Store. League One Roundup. Blackburn Rovers look certain to make an immediate escape from the third division and it looks like Peterborough will be sticking around. Rovers 3-1 win leaves them needing just a single victory from their last three games to confirm promotion. Why? Because poor old Shrewsbury, having led the way for so long, have finally run out of steam. They were held one all at home by relegated Berry on Saturday. That's just one win in five in the league for them now. They're heading for the playoffs. They won't play Rotherham in the semi-finals, though. The Millers' 2-0 win over Bristol Rovers guarantees them either fourth or fifth, which means, of course, that all three of the teams relegated from the championship last season could be going straight back up again. Wigan are up. The Latics humped Fleetwood Town 4-0 to book their return to the championship at the first attempt as Joey Barton watched his new side from the stands. At the other end of the table, a Duckins Nason brace rescued a 2-2 draw for Oldham at relegation rivals AFC Wimbledon, while Oxford boosted their survival hopes with a crucial 1-0 win at Doncaster. Southend United's 4-0 destruction of MK Dons ended Daniel McKeechee's brief tenure at the club, and it looks like it might have relegated them back to the fourth division. But who's joining them? Walsall sacked their own manager a few weeks ago to stop this from happening, but they lost 1-0 to Scunthorpe and they're only a point above the drop zone. Rochdale are doing their best to get out, but a one-all draw at home to Bradford wasn't enough. The end of the season can't come soon enough for Gillingham, who lost 3-0 at home to Blackpool to make it eight games without a win. Northampton's unlikely survival bid continued, though, with a 2-0 win over playoff-chasing Plymouth. The Cobblers are two points of drift of safety and play Walsall and Oldham, the two sides just above the bottom four, in their last two games. And Charlton beat Portsmouth 1-0 in a playoff six-pointer to sabotage my 10-team accumulator. Right, Fleetwood Wigan, new boss Joey Barton in the stands. We'll talk about him in a minute. But let's talk about the game because Wigan absolutely romped to a 4-0 win. Um, uh, Wigan manager Paul Cook, very happy. Uh, we're the first team to be promoted and we got to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. I wish Blackburn and Shrewsbury, with a special mention to them, well. We're very grounded as a staff. It's a long journey in football and it's a great day. Um, they were typically excellent here Matt um, just sort of blew them away didn't they yeah I thought Fleetwood started the game pretty well they had a couple of ta- counter-attacks through uh, Jordi Huulu and Barton will have been encouraged by what he saw but as soon as Wigan got that first goal uh, Nathan Byrne doing really well down the right to pick the pocket of the, the Fleetwood defender and laying it into max power to open up the scoring they were in complete control and Paul Cook actually described it as probably the most impressive performance he's seen from them this season and they beat Man City 1-0 <laughs> Sam, Paul Cook took a massive gamble, didn't he? He left Portsmouth, really big club, um, generally, never mind at that level, um, to take this Wigan job. It'd look silly if it had blown up in his face, but he's, he's done all right here, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's no surprise, really. I mean, Paul Cook now three promotions, three different clubs in the last five years, so he's obviously an outstanding coach. Uh, there's going to be people looking at him and thinking, can he do a job at a, a higher level? But 
He's had a great side there this season. I've, I've spoken a lot about the units, you know, everywhere on the pitch, two centre-halves, love the two midfield players and obviously two very talented boys up front. But it was quite nice, I thought, on Saturday that it was some different players that got the headlines for once uh, and Will Grigg, bless him, had to go off with sunburn, I believe. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we've talked more than enough about Nick Powell and, and Will Grigg all season. Um, Matt, you mentioned Nathan Byrne. He's the player every time I've watched Wigan this season that I've really liked. Um, he was uh, he, he was at the Spurs Academy, one of Chris Ramsey's kids. And, and you can tell because he's intelligent. He's uh, technically adept. He's obviously very, very quick as well. He's a player with, with an interesting future, I think. He is. He's going to be one of the players that they look to keep hold of in the summer and build around next season. And, uh, like I say, he's very quick, but his close control is excellent. He's really good at running the ball out of defence and he likes to make these runs actually into the centre of the pitch as well to open up the game a bit and create space for the likes of Powell. So he's someone that's done really well for them. And, and Cook's recruitment actually last summer was, was excellent across the, the board, really. I mean, he signed Massey, who scored that wonder goal at Fleetwood the other day with a little flick to, to set himself off on the run. Uh, he signed him from a, a Leighton Orient on a free transfer after they'd gone out the league. Che Dunkley came in from Oxford on a free and then uh, Walton and Elder as well two loan signings and a, a special shout for Lee Evans uh, who, who was there in the first half of the season now he's banging in screamers for Sheffield United but uh, he actually contributed seven assists in the first half of the season Lee Evans and no Wigan player has more so he's played his part as well Nice uh, one other person who's played his part Chris Walton the goalkeeper on loan from Brighton um how many clean sheets is it, Matt? So we're going to keep 26 clean sheets in the, the league compared to 16 for Rovers and Shrewsbury. And I think that really shows how uh, the success has been built around that defence uh, and Walton. Yeah, Walton's proved a great signing, um, Sam, but they're going to have to work hard to keep hold of him, aren't they? You would imagine so. Um, I'd expect Paul Cook to give the players from this season a big opportunity next year. I think it'll just need tinkered slightly, but obviously that foundation, that Matt's just spoken about best defence in the league, conceded the fewest goals and I think scored the most as well and a good partnership up top. So it's been, you know, throughout the spine, it's easy to point towards those strikers, but you have to say the two centre-halves have been excellent and, and the goalkeeper's had a tremendous time. Paul Cook's certainly given a kind of template example of how to, um, how to build a team quickly and get promoted and one man in the stands watching it was Joey Barton. What do you make of this appointment? Surprised, uh, very much so. Um, I have been listening to a rival podcast, which he, <gasps> he fronts, and um, it's kind of changed my opinion of him slightly because I've not been the biggest fan in the past, but he knows the game, I think, and he's a, a student of the game, so you have to give him credit for that. Um, he, he's a real thinker, formation, system, so I'm sure he'll go into it and, and you know, cover every inch. I think he'd be really meticulous about it, but it's about those personal relationships, won't it? How that he'll be able to do the, the day-to-day running uh, and get the best out of the players. That's where the, the question marks are going to be. I'm not sure how pleased I would have been to be underneath someone like that. Um, that said, uh, he's had a good career. He'll probably use his contacts in a club like Fleetwood still the the stage that they're at if they can get a few players that have been there and done it at a higher level I think the fans will probably enjoy that element and Matt this is this is key as Sam says it's um yeah he is very intelligent and very articulate and and could be a real um a, a real force behind the scenes real motivating force but football management now is it's so much based on creating and maintaining relationships with agents with the press with the supporters do you think he can do it well, he's definitely had a tendency to blow up in the past, hasn't mm. he? Uh, it's probably an understatement. 
But uh, so it'd be interesting to see when things go wrong, really. I mean, I, I think Fleetwood could start quite well under Barton. He could have an immediate impact. But then if they start to lose a couple of games, how's the dressing room going to react to him? How's he going to take... Uh, what he might perceive to be a lack of uh, performance and I think uh, it's interesting he's got some talent in that squad because uh, Fleetwood obviously reached the playoffs last year and uh, they added Paddy Madden in January uh, who's a decent player Conor McElhaney hasn't really done it this season but he showed at Oxford last year on loan his quality and I think the key one for me every time I've seen him play this season I think George Glendon in centre midfield has quite a bit of quality and he came through Manchester City's youth setup as well so maybe Barton haven't experienced the same path might look not always got on well with Manchester City apprentices (laughs) no he hasn't always Uh, let's George Clinton make sure there's no uh, cigars around whenever he uh, has his first chat with him but we'll see all right before we move on from League One let's have a quick chat on MK Dunn's Peter Winkleman sacking Daniel McKeechee after I think 16 games Um, he said I thought it was a good gamble but it wasn't to be it wasn't a lack of experience people could see what we were trying to do wouldn't it have been great if it had worked I mean he he really didn't get very long, Sam. And we watched MK Duns a couple of times while he was manager, and you could see what he was trying to do. He was trying to uh, integrate progressive football. Mm. Always a risk at that level, and particularly with low confidence. So, Yeah, Winkleman's been really honest. I saw his interview yesterday and saying he's made two ricks uh, in terms of managerial appointments, the last two. Uh, I know Robbie Nielsen, so um, you know that'll be hurting Robbie, I would imagine. Uh, but obviously the latest one, Dan McKeechee, um yeah, it just hasn't worked out really. I think it was he brought in Keith Millen at the same time to try and counteract the the risk element of that appointment, and it's not worked out. And the, the timing seems really strange. It, it says to me there's someone that he's lined up for the gig, so he can have a look at the last couple of games and maybe see where he can implement his ideas. Um, that would be my take on it, or maybe he thinks that Keith Millen could have a go at it. I don't know. I think it says to me blind panic. Um, but he said um, he said we'll have one of the biggest budgets next season, whichever division we're in, and we need to get a manager that we all start believing in again. I mean, if he's saying that about a man who'd only just got there, um, that just doesn't reflect well on anything behind the scenes, does it, Matt? No, not at all. I mean, it's needless to be honest. His comments and the book obviously stops with the owner, and he's made these appointments, and they haven't worked out. So. I think really hanging Mikichi out to dry after he did try and bring in a certain style of play and he did have a little run of uh, of results that looked like he might get out of it, but the problem's already there before he arrived. So. Yeah, I do feel very, very sorry for the manager there um, to have had a clear idea and obviously he thought he'd have more time. Can you see any coming back from him now? It's going to be difficult. We all know the statistics, don't we? When people are given their first opportunity, it doesn't work out in the Football League. It's so difficult to get back in. He's obviously got a, a history of playing with uh, of coaching younger players. Maybe he'll revert to that. But it's a real shame because I think he, he knows that club inside out. He's been really instrumental in a lot of young players that have come through. I think Deli Ali was the obvious one. Um, so real shame that it's not worked out. All right, over to Joe Crilly from William Hill for League One odds. Obviously, Wigan are already up. Um, Blackburn, they're basically up, aren't they, Joe? Is there, is there even anything there? Uh, yeah, 500 to one on. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in, you can have a look at the uh, the outright market. Who's going to win the league? Wigan, obviously, favourites at 1 to 12 to win it. But Blackburn, 6 to 1. Uh, maybe Matt will stick a quid on that. It's still on. It's still on. Uh, Shrewsbury, poor old Shrewsbury, led the way for so long. Um, can they still go up? Well, yes, they can go still yeah. up. But what's the price on that? Uh, so they are 
well, what was it, joint third favourites, well, joint second favourites, uh, alongside Rotherham at 5-2 to two, uh, to get promotion. Charlton 11-4, Scunthorpe 9-2, and Spare Thought for that chap who had a, a couple of quid on Plymouth at 200-1. Oh. to one. Uh, They slipped out of the, uh, the playoffs um, at this late stage of the season, and they're now 8-1 to one for promotion. Oh. Poor bloke. Um, down at the other end, uh, Barry obviously already gone. Uh, but tell me about the relegation candidates. Yeah, much like um, like it was last week. We've got a couple of uh, massively odds-on uh, favourites to go down. MK Dons one to two hundred and fifty. Uh, Northampton at one to twelve. And then again, it's very very close between the uh, between the, the the few sides that are just either side of that dotted line. With uh, Walsall thirteen to eight. Uh, Third favourites: Rochdale seven to four, Oldham eight to four, and Wimbledon uh, seemingly safe now at seven to one. Seven to one, so it's almost time. I mean, Wimbledon fans, I suspect, are going to enjoy the run-in. Yes, um, much more than they would have thought. Uh, when we come back, we'll be having a look at League Two. Listeners, enough about the football for the moment. Here's some news from the interweb. ShipStation, America's number one e-commerce shipping software, is now available in the UK. Why is that exciting? Well, if you're selling online, you want to get your orders out quickly and keep your customers happy. And that's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation imports your online orders from anywhere you sell, from eBay to Amazon and even your own web store. With ShipStation, you can easily print shipping labels for all major couriers like Hermes, Royal Mail, Amazon Fulfillment, DHL, FedEx and UPS. So whether you dispatch one package per day or thousands per week, ShipStation is the shipping software for you. You'll get your orders out fast and keep your customers happy. And happy customers mean more orders, and that is good for business. Try ShipStation free for 30 days, plus get a special bonus when you use the promo code LEAGUE. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in LEAGUE. That's ShipStation.com and the promo code LEAGUE, L-E-A-G-U-E. League Two then. Hangover? What hangover? Accrington Stanley secured promotion in midweek, partied and then smashed up third-placed Wickham in celebration. The smallest club in the division has absolutely nailed it. Could Notts County take advantage of Wickham's misfortune? Oh, yes, they could. Kevin Nolan's team battered Yeovil 4-1 and they're only two points off third. And look who's rejoined the playoff race. It's only the gimlet-eyed set-piece automatons Lincoln City. I'm joking. I'm joking. They're doing really well. They're back in the mix. Hooray for Luton Town, who secured promotion to League One with a 1-1 draw at Carlisle, even if the players didn't seem totally sure of their success at the end. If Barnett had reappointed Martin Allen back in January instead of hiring Graham Wesley, they'd probably be safe by now. Allen oversaw his third win in six matches on Saturday, with a 2-0 triumph over Newport, keeping the Bees' fight alive. And there might be little left to play for at Cambridge and Cheltenham, but they still served up the game of the day in League Two, with a 4-3 win for the U's. Ah, yes, we sat and laughed at Grimsby Town, callous and cruel, but will they have the last one? They beat Swindon, Phil Brown Swindon, away from home on Saturday. It's seven points in three games for Michael Jolly, and another two will make them safe. Port Vale's single point away at Mansfield means that they can breathe a sigh of relief now. That gives the Stags a lot to do to make the playoffs, and that's because Coventry beat Stevenage 3-1 and moved into seventh. Morecambe appearing over the Football League precipice after a 1-0 defeat at Crewe left them one place above the relegation zone. While Exeter couldn't take advantage of Wickham's defeat to Accrington, drawing 2-2 with Crawley to remain a point outside the top three. 
And if there's one thing you've learned from the first season of the Totally Football League show, is that you should never, ever trust our predictions. That's right, dear listener. After backing Chesterfield to stay up all season, they're on the brink of plummeting out of the league after a 4-1 humping at Forest Green. Jack Lester is gone, and maybe we should follow him. Oh, still feel bad about that. Carlisle Luton, that's our game in League Two. It's a one-all draw, not much to speak about, really. Um, Not as much as Nathan Jones' comments afterwards, which have caused a a little bit of a stir. He said, Accrington have done something wonderful, but over the season I'd struggle to find a better side than us and how we've played and how we've gone about our job. It was a message that uh, Andy Holt, Accrington's owner, uh, commented on with a crying with laughter emoji. Uh, Matt, where do we stand on this? Yeah, it seemed a, a little bit of a strange thing to say. It was similar to Paul Cook, actually, at Wigan. He, he started mentioning how Blackburn had said they looked a little bit fatigued a few weeks ago and uh, how that was all nonsense and have got there in the end. And I guess it's just the, the relief at the end of the season of, of finally getting over the line and all the, the pressure that the managers have been under. They'd immediately look to who they've been battling and maybe have a little <laughs> bit of a dig. But you have to look at what Accrington have done and even going to Wickham and winning 4-0 at the third-place side to almost wrap up the title... It's a, it's a big call from Nathan Jones. I mean, it's obviously based on the fact that they've pummeled some teams this season. 8-2 Yeovil on the opening day, 7-1 against Stevenage, 7-0 against Cambridge, and they have been amazing going forward. But Accrington went there and won 2-1 the other week, and uh, they've won 15, or been unbeaten for 15 matches in a row, and the longest unbeaten run Luton have had is nine games, and, and that was sandwiched between 3-0 home defeats to Swindon and Coventry. Sam, I, I can see where Nathan Jones is coming from, even though... There is no contest. Accrington have obviously been the best team. Um, but Luton have been brilliant, have they? Proper free-flowing. Oh, they have. Yeah, and that have been exceptional to watch. And yeah, I can understand what he's saying there. The goals that were flying in the start of the season, the, the manner in which they were playing. But Accrington since Christmas, maybe Luton have been the best side in the first half and then Accrington in the second half. But in terms of a, a team, you know, Accrington are at the top of the, the table. So um, that says the whole story but no I can understand what Nathan's been saying and I think he was a little bit annoyed at some comments when they dropped a few points around a month ago and you know they they drew a few games it wasn't a complete wobble and I think he felt that people were a little bit disrespectful given the achievements in the early part of the season so um, I think John Coleman has uh, not been too irritated by it and he was he was speaking on TV the other day and he was perfectly jolly about it so I'm sure they'll be both delighted for each each other when they they both playing in League One next season. Uh, they have been absolutely brilliant. It should be noted, Nathan Jones as well took time to um, uh, pay tribute to John Still, who had obviously started that journey back, because it has been an incredible journey for them to, to come back from non-league, rebuild with this young, exciting team, and now they're in the third division. It really has, and to, to go up, like you say, with such an attacking style of football is always what the fans want to see, and uh, on that, I would also say that Jones has said, you know, Accrington are the underdogs, whereas Luton, everyone looks at that game and, and going to, to play away at Luton is the biggest occasion of the season for a lot of uh, clubs in League Two because of the, the size of the crowds that they get there. And so there's been that extra expectation on Luton, I think, and, and they've, they've handled that really well, even though, uh, you know, they've had a couple of shocking results along the way. They lost 4-0 at Port Vale, lost to Chesterfield, yeah. which was another shock result. But he, he recruited really well again in the summer. 
um, for his promotion push. Luke Berry was a great signing from Cambridge. He's out at the moment, sadly, with a dislocated ankle, so he, he could be uh, missing the start of next season. But James Collins as well repeated the form he showed with Crawley last season and Hilton with another 20 goals. And I think key area for Luton has been the fullback position. So Potts and Stacey, you saw it again at, at Car- uh, Carlisle at the weekend. Uh, it was only a 1-1 draw, but Stacey rampaging forward down at right-hand side and uh, Potts on the opposite flank. They've really helped with that attacking style of football. Totally Football League show, verdict, then uh, we love both of them. However, final question on this, who does best next season in the third division? Well, Accrington will certainly take some scalps because nobody likes going to play there. You know, it's a very tough place to go. But, I mean, Luton, similar to Sunderland, actually, in many respects, that players will will be desperate to go to that football club. You know, even Sunderland, their plight that they're in, people will still go because of the magnitude of the club. Likewise, Luton. um, I was there during the dark days, League Two, relegations. People still wanted to come and play for Luton, even though when we had the 30-point deduction, etc. So it's got a big pull, massive support. And from my personal uh, point of view, it's so good to see them back, you know, climbing the divisions because those fans have been through something that nobody should have had to go through. All right, time running out, but enough time just to talk briefly about Carlisle, which we haven't done much this season because they've just sort of bobbed about in uh, mid-table safety, never looking much like going up and certainly not looking like going down. Uh, Keith Curl, their manager, who is the um, the 12th longest-serving manager in England, about to be the 11th as well, um, he said, it hurts having to listen to another club celebrate on our patch, but as I said to the players, the performance today was about fine margins. One thing we must retain going forward, even though we can't make the playoffs, are the professional standards, character and focus you need whenever you represent this football club. Uh, we have two games left. My level of preparation and planning won't change. I expect the same from the players. Uh, his contract is up at the end of the season, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, he said it's up in June and he's going to honour that, which I think is a big commitment for the next two months. <laughs> uh, but I think Carlisle should look to extend his stay at the club because he's, he's done a decent job and uh, this season they, they sort of lurked outside the playoffs all season really I remember when we did our in-depth feature on Carlisle I think it was uh, around the turn of the year and we talked then about could they get into the playoffs and I think it's uh, one win in the last eight matches basically put paid to that but uh, they've, they, they were definitely challenges at one stage and I'm sure Keith Curl want to try and kick on next season Sam, it's a funny club, Carlisle, isn't it? Miles away from absolutely mm. everything. Um, but they were in a lot of trouble when Curl arrived and gradually he sort of hauled them up the table. Um, it, it, the, the sort of simmering dissent about his reign, is that fair? Yeah, I think there's been it's been quite split for a while now. I remember that that um, podcast, you know, talking about Carlisle in depth and there was a lot of supporters that weren't sure Keith Kerr was the man to take them forward despite that playoff campaign last season. So they kind of in no man's land now. They felt for a large part of the second half of the season that they could potentially go on a run to get them into the playoffs and it's it's not happened. So going to be really interesting to see what happens. I seem to remember Charlton celebrating a promotion at uh, Carlisle a few years ago as well. So they're probably sick of the sight of seeing um, supporters running off to the nearest offy. <laughs> Uh, and jumping on the M6 with uh, crates of beer. So, yeah, it's about time they had some success up there. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Um, first two promotion slots are gone. Still two to go. Third place goes up automatically, of course, and then the playoffs. Tell me those numbers. Yeah, Wickham are the favourites to go up. They are 1-4. to four. Exeter, 13-8 to eight for promotion. At Notts County, 2-1. to one. And Coventry and Lincoln, 9-4. to four. Down at the bottom, with much regret, we say goodbye to Chesterfield. 
poor old Jack Lester. Barnett not done yet. Martin Allen has already achieved so much more than I think anyone could realistically have expected in that situation. Can they get out of it? The odds suggest no, uh, but he has done fantastically well since taking over. And while it wouldn't perhaps be a brave man who would bet uh, for Barnett to go down, uh, stranger things have happened. They are 1-20 to uh, for the drop with Grimsby 12s and Morecambe 14s. But uh, if anybody can do it, it's Martin Allen for, what, the fifth or sixth time? Obviously, if uh, Morecambe don't win tonight against Cambridge, they've got Barnett at home on Saturday, which could be a tasty game. So what are the odds for Barnett to stay up? They're around about eight to one to stay up. Decent. All right. Um, We should say well done to Macclesfield, who'll be joining us on the show next season. They've been promoted to League Two. Manager John Askey, now that rare thing, a success as a player and a manager, because as a player, he won two conference titles, 95 and 97, and uh, even won the Northern Premier League in 1987. Uh, But this is something else. Well done, Macclesfield. I very much look forward to writing your 1,000-word rambling history late on a Monday night next season. Joe Crilly, before you go, we've got three championship games on telly to look forward to this week. First up is tonight. Everyone will be watching this. There's nothing else on the telly. Derby against Cardiff. Ooh, it's not even the big game tonight. Forrest Barnsley uh, for me. Uh, but yeah, uh, Derby, Cardiff. Uh, Derby really do need a win and they're 15-8 to eight to get it. Uh, Cardiff 13-8, to eight, so slight favourites for the uh, three points and the draw 21-10. to 10. Right. Uh, On Friday night, let me tell you a little gambling story. I once had a system I was working on uh, many years ago and uh, it it was all really, really good. And then I veered away from it because I wanted to bet on Manchester United beating Sunderland at home at Old Trafford, where Manchester United were one of the best teams in Europe and Sunderland were definitively Sunderland. And it was a nil-nil draw because Sunderland, even though they'd already been relegated, suddenly decided to turn up. Fulham Sunderland on Friday. Um, yeah, Fulham one to five to win. Sunderland ten to one for the win, and the draw five to one. But it's it's weird how often you see uh, these teams that are already relegated. As soon as the pressure's off, they start playing with a little bit more freedom. So, I mean, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to see uh, Fulham drop a point or maybe three here. Tell you what, call me a reckless renegade, but I'm having a quid on that. Uh, Middlesbrough Millwall on Saturday. Uh, yep, Borough nineteen to twenty to win. Millwall, uh, another side who desperately need uh, three points. They're eleven to four, and the draw eleven to five. All right, we're running out of time. We've only got time for one question, uh, which was from Mike on Twitter. It's to Matt. Um, Matt, in a thousand years' time, when nuclear war has nearly exterminated humanity and giraffes have taken over as the planet's dominant species, will Nottingham Forest still be in the middle of the championship, sacking managers every nine months? Yes. Nice. Well dealt with. Sam Parkin, thank you so much for coming in at such short notice. No worries, Ian. Matt Stanger, you've been amazing. Great to be here. Joe Crilly, you really are a legend. Oh, yes, I know. Producer Tayo heroically gripping the wheel. And you, dear listener, thank you so much. We will see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Listeners, around 97% of those of you who tune into the Totally Football Show are male. But despite being more likely to be diagnosed with cancer than women, men are much less likely to ask for help, even when they need it. And that's why we've teamed up with Macmillan Cancer Support to try and put that right. 
cancer can affect you emotionally as well as physically. It can affect your relationships, your work and your confidence. So it's vital to seek support. Talking is an important part of dealing with cancer and Macmillan wants to make men with cancer of whatever sort more aware of this so they can be honest and open with their family and loved ones. For more information or to find support, visit macmillan.org.uk. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.org.uk. uk. 